Hey, what's up? Today, we are going to be starting a new format for some episodes that I want to give a try. And that is there's going to be four different sections. The first section is going to be me talking about a music related topic that I want to talk about. The second section is a music related news story that I want to talk about. The third is me answering some questions that are asked by fans. And the fourth is a featured artist that I recently found or that released a song that I just want to talk about the song. So uh, I'm really excited for stuff like this because I, I really like just not venting or ranting, but just saying what's on my mind about certain things that I'm thinking. And this is kind of an outlet for me to do that. And it can also, um, you know, help people think about music in different ways as well, covering different random topics that I that I feel relevant or that's on my mind. And so, yeah, I appreciate you guys being here for this. And I always appreciate the support. Uh, everyone leaving those five-star reviews, you have now made us the top uh, most rated metal podcast on Spotify. That's so sick. And I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate everyone that listens on all the platforms as well. And uh, make sure you give a follow on all those platforms so that you can be notified when I release new episodes. And if you want to be able to submit questions for stuff like this, make sure you follow me on Instagram. Uh, and that's where I'm going to be submitting for or posting stories to get a lot of these stuff. So it's just Johnny McBee on Instagram. And really, I appreciate all the support. We are now the number one top-rated podcast in the metal genre on Spotify. So you guys are awesome. I appreciate that so much. Let's get into this episode. I am Johnny McBee. You're listening to the Burn This World podcast. All right, so a big topic, not only for me personally, but actually something that's coming up quite a bit and a lot of artists are talking about currently. And that is, what is the future of touring going to be like? Um, there's so much in the air about touring right now, just with everybody. It's And we just did our first tour as well, coming back after everything. And like it, I had a big eye-opening experience, and I think that a lot of bands that have been hitting it pretty hard recently are realizing right now exactly uh, how things have changed. And so I'm going to go through a couple different things that obviously have such an impact on bands and what what touring is going to look like within the next couple of years. And this is relevant for bands that are trying to get that out there and then also for bands that are already touring bands and then also for the fans that really want to go see these concerts. And so the biggest thing, here's the, the biggest obstacle right now for bands. Um, there's actually a couple, but... Um, one of them that I'm noticing, just not only people that talk about it online, but people that I personally talk to, is just having the, uh, I don't want to say motivation, but having the willingness to drop this life that you've built the past couple of years and uh, drop that for a month or two and go out on the road. So many people had kids or got some really sick jobs over the last couple of years that it's really hard to put down because, uh, you know, humans are people of routine. Humans love routine, really. Uh, and even people that like to break routine, that's still a routine itself, <laughs> breaking routine. And so it's like uh, these past couple of years, like I've just gotten used to being around my family, traveling in the RV, you know, working the way that I am now. And it's it's really hard to go away from that. 
Um, and playing shows is awesome, but so is my routine. Like it, it feels good. I'm happy. Um, and you know, tours is stressful. It is non freaking stop. There's like no chill, um, out on tour, especially at the level we're at like bigger bands, you know, it might be a little bit less stressful, um, or more stressful. (laughs) It depends on your managers and everything that you got set up. But really that, that is one of the number one things right now that is seemingly, uh, a big issue for a lot of bands going on tour is the fact of just stopping everything that you've been doing and going out there and touring. Um, because also this plays into the next aspect of this and that is the money. Um, it is requiring a lot more money currently to tour and that's only going to get worse. Um, one thing being, again, that a lot of these people make make good money at home now. They they rotated their lives from being a broke touring musician to being a working person. And so you need more money, especially if you have a family and everything. And so bands are requiring a lot more money to go on tour now. Like, um, It was hard for us to find a band that would come out for less than $800 a night on this last tour. And there's just not... Uh, a lot of money there sometimes to be able to pay bands that much like support back acts, you know, um, like whenever a headliner is booking a tour, like you basically have a max amount of money that you're capable of getting out of that promoter and you need X amount to be able to tour as the headliner. But then you also have to have some to spare for the other bands that come on. And, uh, you know, if there's, if a band's requesting $800 a night to come on as support, like some bands don't have that extra money in the budget to make that happen. Now there are a lot of people going out the tours right now. And so more people can come out. So there's more money to be made for the headliner, but still just upfront getting rid of, you know, 800 or a thousand dollars a night out of your guarantee for another band is very, very difficult. And so the, you know, all the bands need to be paid more currently just so they can get away from their jobs. So it's monetarily worth it. And then also like towards this next step of this conversation is pay for these extremely high, uh, expenses. So flights are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. And the big one is the, the rental vehicles are way more expensive and hard to get. Like even Herman Lee from dragon force, just had a video about this because um i forgot what band it was someone had to drop a big tour it was like Moonspell. they had to drop their whole american tour because they couldn't get a bus and drag he said with dragon force when they went to europe they couldn't get a bus <laughs> like they're all rented out because everyone's trying to tour and then also my thing is i think all those rental companies uh sold their fleets and a lot of people might not know this but whenever you see a band touring with a bus they do not own that bus. There's a very few amount of people that actually own a bus, you know? Even the big, big bands, like, say, Corn or something, they're renting buses. They're, they're, they don't buy those things outright, typically. And so if you're reliant on a rental company to have that vehicle, and then they have sold all of their vehicles, uh, besides a few, and then so many bands are trying to tour, and you just can't get a vehicle, like... That's that's hard. What what he said Dragon Force had to do is they had to do fly-ins to a lot of the dates which they normally wouldn't do in Europe. They had to fly between the shows, which every day in a airport sounds terrible. Um and then they also had to rent smaller vehicles, like multiple smaller vehicles to bring them around. And a lot of these bands they they can't tour without a bus. 
like, I mean, I, I'll still tour in a van, but I'm pushing that limit. Like <laughs> at this point in my life, how comfortable, comfortable I'm used to being and all this, like it's pushing the limit of being okay with being in a van, you know? And these big mainstay people, you know, like stuff like kill switch engage or, you know, as dying, stuff like that. They're not going to tour in a van. That's just not realistic, you know? And so if these buses aren't available, these bands can't go out. And then even if you are capable of getting the rental vehicle, it is, they are charging out the freaking nose for them now because they have less of them, you know? And then, so like on this last tour, um, I even experienced this. We, we had to rent a Mercedes Sprinter. That was the only vehicle ava- available. Um, normally I would rent like a Chevy express van, right? And that costs like $85 a day. Like max I paid ever was like a hundred dollars a day for one of those, uh, Chevy express fans. That's what we've always toured in always this last tour. The only thing I could get was a Mercedes sprinter and it was like $350 a day. <laughs> it wasn't even nicer. Like I would have rather have been in the, uh, the Chevy express, just the way the benches are set up and everything. They're way more comfortable. And I couldn't drive through drive throughs with the Sprinter, all that sort of crap. And so I would have rather have had the Chevy Express, but I literally didn't have a choice. I had to do this like $350 a day Sprinter that took diesel fuel. And when we were on this tour, diesel was like over $5 a gallon. <laughs> like that's a freaking rip. And I just, uh, these expenses are another thing. Like I said, not only do bands need to be paid more so they can pay for their expenses at home so it's worth it, but they also need to be paid more because the costs of touring have gone up so much. What does this lead to? So all of this crap that I'm telling you right now, what does this lead to in the end? Even if a band can get out, the ticket they have to charge more to the promoter so that they can get out and pay for this stuff. So what does that mean? That means the promoter, aka the venue, whatever, has to charge more at the door. What we're going to see is we're going to see a lot of way higher ticket prices. I'm talking like a normal concert being 50 bucks. You know, like the Browning, normally when we tour, it's $15 tickets, right? And I could see Browning tickets getting up to about 30 in the future if it, if it has to. I could see stuff like, say there was like a big mainstay tour package, you know, something like a, I don't Kill Switch Engage. I keep using them as a reference. I could see those easily being $50 tickets. tickets just for a normal concert, if not more. Uh, You're getting that a lot with a lot of these bigger bands that are torn because these expenses are through the freaking roof. And so you're getting these metal shows that are just really expensive. And so that's just what what it has to be. And this is the problem with prices raising and everything like that. It really boils down to not only is it cost more for you to live, but it costs more for you to get your entertainment as well. It's like, dang, Netflix raises the price and so do concerts. It's just how it is. Like it, and it just really kind of sucks for my end because for me, like, I I want to make things as cheap as possible for our fans to consume, right? And whenever we have to charge, this is another thing I didn't even I didn't even bring up uh, is the merchandise. Like, typically, like a a one color shirt, like a white a white print on a black shirt with a back print on it front and back would cost me like seven or eight dollars to make this last tour it was costing me like almost fifteen dollars to make a shirt like that and so it's like 
that usually I would sell a shirt like that for $20. It's like we had to sell them for like 35 just to try to double our money on these really basic shirts. So our shirts were 35. So imagine, imagine someone like rings of Saturn where every single one of their shirts is freaking like 14 colors, full print. Like that shirt realistically right now probably costs near $20 to print, maybe more. So I wouldn't doubt to see bands like rings of Saturn selling stuff for $45, $50 like t-shirts. And then you don't even want to talk about freaking hoodies and stuff. And so, and shoot, we played some stuff with corn, uh, like, I don't know, it was probably like nine years ago and their shirts were $45 then. So now that their shirts probably cost double what they did, how much is like someone like corn going to be selling their t-shirts for? So concerts are about to get very, very expensive and also very few and far between. It's going to be difficult. And this is just something that I'm, I'm very concerned about because like, I feel bad at some point having to charge so much money. Like, I don't know. I, maybe we all just have to adapt to the modern costs of things, but it's just something that I feel bad doing, honestly. <laughs> and so, um, the future of touring, I think it's just going to be, bands are going to be doing a lot fewer tours, probably with a lot smaller packages. The cost at the door is going to be a lot more and merchandise is going to be a lot more. Just in general, everything's going to cost a lot more money. And that just freaking blows, even if the bands are able to get out due to travel. I'm pretty sure um, Light the Torch just had to cancel on their Guar tour because they weren't able to get travel. They weren't able to get a travel vehicle. So we're going to be seeing a lot of stuff like that. Um, and I don't know the solution because the thing is, these rental companies, you can't really blame them. Like, imagine you owned a company that owned 150 vans, right? And over the course of COVID, um, nobody was renting. Nobody was renting at all. But at the same time, your fleet of these vans skyrocketed in price. You know, they could probably sell those vans completely torn to crap for more than they bought them for brand new. So you as the owner of that company, would you not sell off your fleet if the price of all your vehicles went up like 50% and nobody was renting, how else could you stay afloat? So it only makes sense that they would sell off a ton of their vehicles or buses or anything like that. I don't blame them at all, but it's just something that we're going to have to deal with. Like realistically, I don't, I don't see the Browning going back out until I can buy like a drivable RV. I already full time in an RV. I, I have one that we tow like a big fifth wheel. Um, that's what I currently live in and travel in, uh, cause I travel for my work. But the Browning, like for I'm I can't rent vehicles at that price. Like it's it, it's way too costly. So until I own my own drivable RV, I don't realistically see any tours happening just because it's not feasible. And uh, I think that a lot of bands might have to go that route. <laughs> People financing you know buses and RVs so that they can actually have something to tour in. But they'd be better off if they can actually get that done. You know, I mean, shoot. These these RVs like these um, bigger RVs because I've I've already looked into all this because we almost already got one. You can finance one of these things for like twelve hundred dollars a month, right? These big drivable buses, basically. You can finance them like twelve hundred dollars a month. Whenever you rent a bus on tour, it's like fifteen hundred dollars a day. <laughs> so imagine if if you're a band that goes on tour once a year, right, and you go on a thirty day tour. 
that's like over thirty thousand dollars in fees for that for that rental for that one tour. You can just finance a bus and have it sit there, an RV, have it sit there, and the yearly cost on your financing is going to be less than your daily cost on <laughs> renting on a tour. So it just makes a lot of sense, and I think a lot of bands should go that route. That's like the only solution. And a lot of these bigger bands are set up as businesses too. Just freaking finance it under the business, you know? It just it makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people are going to have to go that route, and that's the route that I'm going personally uh, to make touring more feasible. And so it's going to be interesting to see what bands do. And it just really sucks that the price is going to get increased on the consumer. That's just, but that's just what's going to have to happen. But I know that metal has some of the biggest supporters out there. So I know that they're going to be going and showing up no matter what. And so, yeah, the future of touring, uh, that's what it's going to be. High prices, fewer amount of tours, and uh, it's going to be a lot of bands doing more regional tours around where they're at because then they don't have to have the long-term investment, you know? But yeah, that's uh, that's what I have to say about that. Let's get into the next section. So the new story that I'm going to be talking about today is something that was going around about a week ago or so. Uh, someone from a band, I don't remember what band, sorry about that, was getting posted on a bunch of the news sites and the like metal promotional sites. And the dude had a video where he was talking about merch cuts. And I you know, watched like 30 seconds of the video. It was like a 20-minute video. And I read through a couple of the comments and I just automatically knew what this was about. And so I didn't watch the full video. Sorry, but you know, I got the freaking gist of it because merch cuts have been and always will be an issue for bands. Now this is a the big kind of double-edged sword because it's something that's understandable, but it just freaking blows, right? And maybe not understandable though, depending on who's talking about it, right? So a merch cut is basically where the venue or the promoter, uh, and sometimes those aren't the same. Like a promoter is someone that buys the bands to come play at the venue, and the promoter pays the venue to let them be there. So somewhere they're not. Sometimes they're not even tied together. But typically, the promoter will take a fifteen or twenty percent cut of the merch sold at the tables. Now, yes, that is ridiculous. <laughs> I will say straight off the bat, it's just crazy. But here's the thing. A lot of these promoters do lose money on shows. And so there's only certain things that are saving them from losing out. A lot of times that will be a percentage of the bar that they make from the venue. And then also a percentage of the merchandise they make from the bands. Now the thing is, I would be fine with a merch cut if they weren't doing such a high percentage. I don't know who on earth thought that doing a 15 or 20% of a merch was fair, right? Because what they're saying is that they're giving you the facility to be able to sell this merchandise. Therefore, they are they are taking like a a um you know a housing fee for you selling your merchandise in their business, right? But fifteen percent and twenty percent is crazy, and sometimes it does go up to twenty percent, especially at places that are like Live Nation venues, like House of Blues and crap like that. They are straight taking twenty percent. They don't care, and they are serious about it. A lot of these bigger venues, especially on big tours where they know bands are selling a lot of money, they actually have someone at the venue that counts your merchandise that you bring in. And then they're making sure that you are telling them exactly how much you sell. Because it's an underlying thing. A lot of bands try to lie about it. So these places will 
straight up count how much merch you bring in. And if you bring more in, they're watching you. They're going to make sure that you're not bringing more merchandise in. And then they count out at the end so they can take exactly 20% of exactly what you sold. And it's, uh, it's pretty frustrating as a band to where you're paying all the upfront cost for this merchandise. And then you have to pay your manager 15%. Sometimes you have to pay a label 15%. You had to pay to ship it to you. And then you have to sell it. And then then the venue is still going to take another 20% off the top. You're talking just straight away, 15% to manager. Uh, so say, say a shirt's $25. And the shirt costs you freaking uh, $10 to make. You're already making 15 That's your profit, $15 profit. Then you're paying 15% to your manager. That's another, what, like three bucks per shirt or something like that? Four bucks. Then you're paying 20% to the, so that takes your profit down to $12. Then you're paying another 20% to the venue. So that's another $5 off. So now your profit's at, profit's at $7 per shirt, <laughs> right? And these are percentages, not just straight up. Like if you raise your price, you owe more. If you sell the shirt for $40, that means every shirt that you sell, that venue is going to take freaking what, whatever, do your own math. <laughs> That's ridiculous, man. And so you, if you're selling a shirt for 25 bucks that you make for $10, you're only making like $7 per shirt. That freaking blows. And so it was a big thing that was going around and a lot of fans don't realize that that's a thing. Um, but I mean, some of the big, big shows. So like when we played with corn, I know I mentioned that a second ago, but it was kind of just weird because we had never had to sell merch this way before that. Um, the venue actually didn't even let you sell your own merch. <laughs> they were making sure they were taking a cut. They were like, no, you can't sell it. We're selling it. Uh, and so that's how they made sure also that they were taking exactly how much they needed to. And so it's like, you can look at this from a couple's perspectives, but nonetheless, it sucks for the artist because like you're already just working off these horrible margins in the first place. Um, and everyone's dipping their freaking fingers into that crap, you know? And so it just sucks to then sell to the venue or at this show and then have the venue take another 20%. But look at it from the promoter's perspective. Like, what do you guys think? <laughs> Do you think it's fair? Do you think it's justified that this venue would take money from the merchandise? I mean, they are giving the band a place to sell it. That's true, right? And they are paying the band up front a lot of money to come play most of the time, right? Do you think it's fair that they do this? It's it's semi-understandable, okay? That's where I kind of sit with it. I'm like, okay. like Because also, whenever bands go to these venues, this is in the contract, like, so the bands know up front. So to complain about it after the fact, after you've signed a contract to do so is weird. Now, the thing is, if you're an opening band on the tour, you don't sign that contract. You're basically agreeing to do whatever the headliner agrees to. So you can be opening this tour and merch is the only way you're making money. And then the headliner agrees to let, to let them take a merch cut and then you have to give it to now, I will say a lot of promoter, promoters that I worked with over the years, they, they don't take anything from the opening bands. A, a lot of them don't do that. You know, if you're a small band that's, and a lot of times the small bands sell so little amount, it just doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> they go up and the band has literally sold like three t-shirts 
and they're like, yeah, give me 20% of that. That doesn't happen. If, if it's a small enough band and they made enough money off of the bigger bands, they don't care. Um, but, you know, just imagine that you're a band uh, that <laughs> this is like merch is like your main thing. And we've talked to Mushroom Head on here. We've talked to some really big bands and they say merch is everything. So imagine selling $10,000 of merch at this venue. And then they come up and take $2,000 of that 10. They didn't ship it in. <laughs> they didn't sell it. They didn't pay for the upfront cost. It's just freaking crazy. They What they should do, they should reduce, they should <laughs> take 20%, but then also pay for 20% of the cost back to you, right? Because if they if they want to make money off of it, they should also pay for it. I don't know. There's There's really not a good solution besides to ideally... Just hopefully the venues can set up their stuff so that they can make money on their end without having to gouge more out of the artist. Because they also, like if they're paying you food, if they're giving you catering, they're taking money off of that too. If they count it as an expense. And if they are giving you drinks, they make you buy cases of water. <laughs> if you get alcohol, then they make you pay for that. So like the venues, it's it's kind of like um, they're just looking out for themselves. You know, it's their business. It's understandable, but... Yeah, you can't only support the artists here. And that's why it's like such a big double-edged sword to me. I'm like, okay, man, I understand. Like, you didn't make a lot of money. This was a really good show. And you're just trying to, you know, get your, get what you can get. So I get it. But, yeah, that's it's one of the biggest things. I mean, we had some drama with it way back in the day. Um, you know, we had someone really throw a fit to someone counting in merch, and it almost bit us in the butt. And so many times bands get into it with promoters over merch cuts. It's just, it's one of those things that if it just doesn't, if it doesn't stop, it's always going to be an issue in the scene. And so, yeah, merch cuts, just bands getting gouged and everyone getting their little fingers in on as much as they can possibly. It makes sense, but it just sucks. <laughs> so the first question asked is one that is asked quite often, and that is, do bands really need a record label? This is something that's asked a lot by starting up musicians uh, that really there's such a like stigma, I guess, to put that's put on signing to a label that if you get signed, then you've made it, quote unquote. Right. And in no way, shape or form does signing to a label mean that you are going to make it uh, because there's still so much luck involved that label just sees something that they can potentially make work. But most of the time, the label doesn't even really put much into making it work. They are just there as an investor, essentially. And so do bands really need labels? It depends. So again, you need to view the label based off of what your goal is, right? If your goal is to get out there and tour, you do not need a label. That is a booking agent. A uh, label has nothing to do with tours 99% of the time. Uh, it is 100% a booking agent. And in my opinion, a booking agent is the most important industry person you can have on your side. Um, a bigger band or a small band. Booking agent is by far the most important thing. The label is essentially a bank. A bank that is giving you money to create a product that they can then sell and continue investing in, right? They're investors. They're bankers. <laughs> That's just what it is. It's it's very rarely like a passion project, it seems, uh, from mine and a lot of my friends' experiences. Um, a lot of times, the it's not like what you really think where the label wants you to, they have control over your sound or 
they make the decisions. That's that's really not what happens at all. Um, there are certain labels that might try to do that, but more often than not, they're just the band gives them the product and they're like, yeah, this is good. And we're going to try to do some marketing in this way. But most of the time, that's even up to the band and the manager. The label is basically just giving you some money, paying for marketing, you know, paying for music videos, and then recouping that money just like an investment, but a way worse investment than any other loan that you can have. Um, like really, there's there's way better loans that you can get out there than what a record label will give you. And so uh, essentially, if you have the capability of recording yourself and you have the capability of paying someone for a music video, you can get a pretty decent music video done for like two grand, right? Five people, two grand, $400 a piece. You can do that. Then you guys need to put together like $1,000, $2,000 for a marketing budget that you put into ads or you put into paying a PR marketing firm to run your stuff. If you can just pay for the stuff yourself, even on a lower scale, you'll get a bigger outcome than having a label do it. And from my experience, most of the time, the label doesn't do as much as you would expect in the first place. So it's like you'd be better sourcing the stuff yourself most of the time and you'd be better off making 100% of your streaming money in the first place. Now that streaming is such a big thing, uh, it has made labels even less important and has made owning your music even more important. Before streaming, like, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd be able to make some CDs, print off some CDs and sell them, and maybe you'd have to give that a label a percentage of those CDs. Well, now every single stream, your label makes the majority of the money of. And so it's like, if you're worried about boosting your streaming numbers, which you should be, you should be worried about owning the rights to your music. If you want YouTubers to use your music, you should be worried about owning the rights to your music. In the modern age, owning your music is more important than ever, really. And so, now here's the thing. If you don't have money, <laughs> if you don't have resources to get it recorded, to get it, to get music videos, to get a marketing team, then yes, you probably do need a label. So, yes, it is essential for some bands um it they the label will put together the full package but you can have a label and no booking agent and you'll still never get a tour that's just how it is and so um, most people's goal is to put music out and go on tour if that's your goal then you don't need to sign that's irrelevant so that's basically uh my thought on record labels and it also bridges into the next question which is What's my least favorite part of the music industry? Record labels are my least favorite part of the music industry. And I, I think that that is also partially because um, I came from a time whenever a record label was very important um, and have now evolved into the modern age where you realize record labels aren't that important. And so it's kind of like a situation where, you know, especially a lot of problems with these record labels, the contracts are way too long. It's ridiculous. You can negotiate it, but like if you have a manager at the time or you're just like really needing to get something done and you're just signing a deal, like, man, you get looped in for a long time. Like this current deal that I'm on right now, 
Like realistically, by the time I'm out of it, I'm going to have been in it for 10 years, if not more. That's crazy, dude. And so really record labels are my least favorite part of having to deal with this music industry because here's also part of my what I've learned in, in it. And it's that the the labels, it really feels like, and this might just be me, some labels maybe are different, but it really feels like they don't care um, and because they're so busy, they have so many projects, right? Like no one's going to care as much as you about your own music, but there's really always this false conception that whenever you sign to a label, they just care, right? They, they want you to succeed. They want you to do this. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people in the industry that blow smoke up your butt. And that is very much so a thing that happens with record labels. And so, and maybe this is more of a modern thought of mine too because of the way that the modern world is with streams and it's annoying because my label's a part of Universal so no one can use our music on YouTube or Twitch. I can't even upload a freaking video on Instagram without getting blocked from my label. Like, that crap is ridiculous. I want to own my music. I want to be able to do with my music exactly what I want. And that's a very modern thing to care about, really. Um and then also, I don't need money for records anymore. So the upfront money that's like a loan, I don't even want it, you know? And I'm sure that if I tell them that, they're like, yeah, that's fine. Then you don't have to recoup. But like that, that then defeats the purpose of this horrible percentage that I make, you know? I get that upfront money because I make horrible percentages on the back end. And so it's like, uh, yeah, my least favorite part of the industry, record labels, hands down that is by far my least favorite and there was another question that kind of bridged off this and they asked is there a, is there a record label out there that's sustainable yes there are some uh, for me personally the ones i know fixed is the label that is doing it right they're giving people high percentages of the streams it's they're set up for the modern world and fixed is owned by an artist cell dweller very established artist that has been doing this a very long time. So it's a label set up by an artist for artists. And so, yes, there are some out there that are doing it properly. Unfortunately, I'm signed to one that is part of a major label. So everything is just screwed. <laughs> so, yeah, my least favorite part of the industry is record labels. And so uh, this bridges into the next question, which is, a band that I've worked with that I have enjoyed the most. So we go from my least favorite thing to one of my most favorite things. And the point of it, which is touring with people and creating friends. There's a bunch of bands and people that I've became friends with over the years, but the band that stands out the most to me that really, I just, I can't get over how much I really like these dudes. And I wish I could be more connected to them, honestly. Like, we used to talk a lot more, um, but that's just how it goes with any relationships, not only just bands, right? But um, Electric Callboy. By far, some of the best people I've ever met in my life. And they completely just freaking blew my mind the first time we toured together and the second time we toured together. This band is so impressive. They have everything set up just flawlessly at least from what i can tell it's just everything set up so good and they're so talented and they're so nice and just real you know these are not some wannabe rock stars they are very very smart about what they do and they are very 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 talented musicians and showmanship 
Their showmanship is on another level. It always has been. And so Electric Cowboy, like, I absolutely love all of those guys. If I'm around them, I'm happy. Whenever I see pictures of them, I'm happy. And it's just so sick to see them being so insanely successful. They've always been successful. But that they're just on another level now. They're freaking massive. And I just love seeing it. I wish I could connect more with them. You know, they're across the world. And uh, we, we all kind of had kids at the same time. And I really wish that all of our kids could play together. And, um, you know, we're all just busy with everything that we're doing. And so 100% the band that I have connected with and have loved working with the most is 100% Electric Cowboy. Like, hands down. I absolutely love those guys. And, uh, yeah, that completes the question section. Now we'll get on to the last section, which is the featured artist. The featured artist for this episode, I just learned about on the song reviews podcast that I just did. They absolutely blew my mind. This band is called One Morning Left. Their music is so high energy. And after I listened to their song, uh, Sinners Are Winners, on the last song reviews podcast... Uh, afterwards I went and looked up their stuff I had no idea that these dudes had 150,000 monthly listeners on Spotify and they're absolutely killing it their music videos are really cool their imagery is nice and then I listened to a couple of their songs and it's just so good it's very high energy so much talent the singing is flawless and the energy is the big thing they have a cover of uh, Beat It by Michael Jackson, uh, number one song on their Spotify, and it's just a flawless cover. It reminds me of like the Alien Ant Farm cover, how that was just like such a sick cover. Hearing bands like this do covers of songs like that is just so nice, and it fits so perfectly into their style. They almost sound like uh, an, an English, uh, English-speaking band that is doing like anime intros, um, but very good, very catchy, very talented musicians. One Morning Left just absolutely blew my mind on that songwriting uh, or song reviews podcast. And so make sure to go check them out. They actually have a new song that is coming out uh, today. And so make sure to go check out One Morning Left and their new song that they've dropped. And really, next level, like these guys are, they have that freaking potential. They really do. Just such creative songwriting and so much high energy. I just, I can't wait to see what they do. Really, really sick stuff. All right. Thank you for listening through that episode. Again, this is my first time trying out this this format for an episode, but I, I really want to get good at this. And so I really want this to be a good format that I use because I just, I again, I like talking. I like working through these things and giving my opinions out there and also communicating with you guys and creating a community with the questions and with uh, just talking on a personal level about my experience in the industry and just music in general. And so if you want to be a part of the community, uh, head over to my Discord server. You can go to burnthisworld.com, click on the Discord icon, download the app on your phone, click on that icon on the burnthisworld.com and go to my Discord server and we can talk in there. We I talk to all sorts of my friends in there and uh, fans that have been uh or with me over the course of the years. And so again, I want to get good at this format. It's going to take some episodes to get used to it and really get, uh, you know, better at talking like this and everything. But I appreciate you guys here listening and we'll definitely see you on the next one. Appreciate you. 
thank you for listening through that episode and making it all the way to the end. And before you move on to the next episode, I would like to ask you again to please leave a five-star review. That helps push us to the algorithm, and we are one of the fastest-growing metal podcasts in the world. And so that helps it grow even more and to reach more people. And so again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Peace out.